Kia ora whanau. Welcome to the Pocket Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Headley. Today, we got to the opportunity to interview psychologist Stephanie, in other words, Dr. Stephanie Karenia. Uh, now, she's an incredible uh, and studied doctor in psychology. In fact, various other therapies as well that coincide and um, really are in um, synchronicity with a lot of the work that she's done in psychology. So she's able to give us various insights that you might not hear from a traditional psychologist, which is really fantastic. So we got the opportunity to speak on romantic relationships uh, and how codependency as well as narcissism can come into these relationships, what we can do about those when they arise, not just within us, but also within our partner and how we can start to heal from these tendencies and how we can develop stability within our lives. So I found this incredibly insightful because Dr. Stephanie has helped me immensely in my own life. And we did have her on this podcast before. She was in the top three of all downloads of all time in this uh, podcast. So I absolutely had to ha have her back on. Now, we did a episode already with her, which was on the inner child. I'd highly suggest listening to that first if you haven't already before listening to this because this will be a great flow on from that episode too. So, as always, guys, um, welcome back. Uh, now, with psychologist Stephanie, uh, Dr. Stephanie, in fact, clinical psychologist, specializes in various things, including cognitive-based therapy, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, uh, MBT. I still forget what that is, so please remind me. <laughs> Mentalization-based treatment. Mentalization-based treatment. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I tried doing a Google earlier, but it kept coming up with um, trying to... I'll, I'll do it now because it came up with um, a recommendation, which was something different to MBT. Um, so, yeah, okay, it's coming up now, which is great. Uh, oh, no, it's coming up now, which is good. Okay. But it came up with like a DLR theory. I don't know, some weird thing. But anyway, so there's that. And then there's also uh, schema therapy and psychodynamic therapy as well. Plus, um, mm -hmm. as you guys um, will know, if you listen to the first episode with Stephanie, or rather, I should say the most recent episode, I should say. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know that I've shared a lot around uh, her emotional intelligence and how that pairs very beautifully with the intelligence that she has in this space. So um, without further ado, I really want to go and delve into the focus around romantic relationships. I shared a little bit in the last episode around how um, I experienced a lot of jealousy in my um, relationship um, at a time when I was... Um, in my early 20s and then when I got the opportunity to do my first episode recording with you Stephanie um, I was actually going through um, which is something I teased out a little bit in the last episode I was going through um, a, a situation where I was very codependent uh, with my partner um, extremely codependent and like I was very emotionally reliant on how she would respond and on her giving me a form of love that I was seeking which was um, the forms of physical touch, um, also words of affirmation. And I just wasn't getting that from um, her end because um, she would, because I'd be so needing of that love, she would close up and then move away and create distance. And, you know, me being in a situation where I was yearning for that uh, physical touch um, created a feeling, as you mentioned, of abandonment, um, mm -hmm. which would obviously come from the inner child. So for those that haven't um, tuned into that earlier episode, I highly recommend. There's a beautiful practice around mm. um, reparenting or inner parenting and self-parenting um, that you can delve into that can help with that inner child. Mm -hmm. For this episode, I want to touch on that codependent nature that many of us get caught up in. So do you mind sharing what firstly codependency is? And then maybe even, I don't know if you have um, a deep, uh, like a lot of, 
a grasp around this, you might do, but I just haven't yet seen the content um, as of recent, which is around uh, narcissistic behavior. Mm-hmm. So do you mind sharing a little bit about those two aspects of self? Sure. Or natures? Yes. So dependency, and they might have a, have a basic same framework. They might underneath have a fear, a deep fear of abandonment. Um, there's no not much self-love in the essence, the, the base structure. So dependency is when we haven't been able to um, trust ourselves. So we have normally we trust ourselves as, as well as uh, as much as we trust other people. We need that. Some people trust themselves more than they trust others. For instance, in extreme cases with narcissism. And some people trust themselves not much and trust others more than they trust themselves, like with dependency or codependency. Well, that's a little bit of a tricky situation to be in when you're not able to trust yourself. You don't trust your decisions. You don't trust your your reasoning. Like those are the people who will say, is that is that really happening? Is that, you know, is that is that correct? Or they let other people make choices for them. So that's an example of not being able to really trust yourself. So then it's logical when that happens, when you cannot trust yourself, that you will invest in other people because mm. other people can help you, but you cannot help yourself. Yes. It would be stupid yes. to invest in yourself, right? <laughs> it's not It's not clever. So then we start investing. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? <laughs> it won't pay off <laughs> because exactly. my experience has shown that I cannot trust myself. I don't have my own back. Yes. I, I'm getting into bad situations. I'm sabotaging myself. So you know what? I'm going to invest in other people. So these people are focused mm. on other people. How are they going to, how are they, how, how are, what are they thinking? Can I make them happy? Uh, how can I, in the end, also manipulate them? It's not meant in a bad way, but we need totally. to because our life depends yes. on them. So I need to manipulate them to I get what I need. I pause on that point, Stephanie, because I think this is really important that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I think there's, a, uh, from my experience, from the work that I've done with some um, clients of mine as well, and from my experience with myself, Mm-hmm. There's been a, a, a really evident, um, uh, 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 I guess, tendency uh, mm-hmm. of people self-sabotaging around the idea if manipulation was to occur or even suppressing the idea that was even existing in the self at all. Because there's mm-hmm. such like a taboo or like such a, um, I guess, yeah, taboo idea around that narcissistic nature of like, um, I guess, as you could say, um, or even codependent nature of manipulating, like no mm-hmm. one wants to be a manipulator. So they don't want to identify with that. And I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, so therefore yeah. I'm just going to pretend that's not me, but then I don't address that tendency at all. I know that's not a very healthy thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a really brilliant thing to mention, which is, um, it is a needed conditioned, uh, uh, and nature um, that, that, yes. that we're using as a, a oh, way yes. of survival of getting Absolutely. the love that we're requiring. Absolutely, yeah. So that means normally we won't need to manipulate someone if we're able to meet our own needs. Yeah. yeah so the manipulating is basically self- surviving because yeah, we, we when we don't feel that we are able to take care of ourselves, we're not able to uh, deal with the triggers, then yeah, we will need to manipulate the other person. And that goes the other way around too. That's why the abuser needs to control the, you know, the victim. Yes. <laughs> in the end, it's controlling, manipulating. So in a, in a way, the dependent, the codependent and the narcissist, as we call it, do the same thing. They control each other. Yes. So, yes. but 
but the dependent has different it has a different reason yes why is it that um that um i guess someone with more of a narcissistic tendency and someone with a more codependent tendency why do they seem to sort of um come together a lot why is it that um you know it's less narcissist narcissistic and codependent codependent from yeah what great I've seen question um so so the codependent especially when they grew up in a codependent environment in which they felt unconditionally accepted i own i'm only loved when i do what you want me to and as soon as i have needs of my own i'm not my, then my parent is not interested in me anymore i get ignored shamed but as soon as i take care of them or i'm there for them then they love me again so yes. then this, this person is seen for what they are, what they provide, not for who they are. So these people are not seen for who they are. No self-acceptance. A narcissist won't be able to see you. They will see what they want to see. So they're not, you're, when you're in a relationship with narcissists, they, not, they don't have that ability. So um, it feels safe. Um, and, and a narcissist will also you know, do the, the, the love bombing. So they yeah, will, I've seen people talk about this. So the, the codependent, because they have a huge abandonment wound, your emotional deprivation wound, they haven't feel seen or loved cared for. They have a big depriva deprivation, big wound. Normally when you get it with a health, healthy adult dating with a healthy adult, they will just provide you genuine love genuine care yeah. but when we have this healing fantasy we don't want the normal love we want the the parent to take care of us we want right. to be healed so we have the normal perhaps need but mainly the healing fantasy the narcissist does an amazing job with this cognitive uh, empathy you know understanding immediately what you want because they will ask you a lot of questions pay a lot of interest and it seems as if they're interested in you they try to figure out what is your need what is your fantasy and i can play right. into it this doesn't right. it, it, a narcissist a lot of people say it's about people whatever i'm not yes. sure if that's that's relevant or not i don't believe that their purpose is ah let me go out to hurt you yeah it's let me go out to abuse I, you i don't yes. think it worked that way that way i think they have um they feel extremely insecure inside not aware of it and they are in a yes. survival mode so they automatically i would do exactly the same if i would have their structure i would do exactly the same i would love bomb the other person I, I, would too. I would target it it just happens automatically it's what works they're not aware that they're actually hurting you in that degree they don't have yeah. the emotional empathy to feel the pain that they're causing you so that ties in perfectly and often these codependent people had such a parent that was also abusive in a way or you know dominating them so they might with the healing fantasy look for this, a similar uh, person to be able to make them finally love them to finally be yeah. accepted and be healed and the, so a normal as in a healthy uh, partner with not narcissism or all these things won't be that attractive to them because they won't be love bombed right. and they won't feel seen as the parent would see them for instance right i definitely was a king love bomber at one point i i was 
too good at that. <laughs> as, <laughs> really? As I, yeah. I've done that. Yes, as mm. I have. Um, it's fascinating because I, at one point, as I mentioned, was actually quite codependent. And then mm-hmm. a little bit after that, I started to actually become a little bit more narcissistic. Mm-hmm. It's like I started to put up these walls and didn't want to actually connect because I was too afraid of if I connected, then that codependency tendency will hurt me. So therefore that wall came uh, up and I'd become yes. cold. And what ended up happening yeah. was um, I actually ended up, of course, hurting the person. And I didn't want that. I'm like, oh my, like I felt horrible, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't even my intention. But to your point, it was a behavior that was happening out of or like this sort of survival need for love that I, I wasn't even aware of um, these sort of underlying um, aspects that were going on with self um, in yes. terms of that sort of narcissistic behavior. And yeah. it, like in hindsight, once you know, like I sort of started to see the pain that was going on, I'm like, whoa, this is happening. Um, I'm lucky enough to have been on the other side, right? So I could actually see that. But I'm sure that someone that maybe hasn't been on the other side probably won't be able to see that um, mm-hmm. and, you know, can very easily get caught up. Um, I mean, that's my assumption anyway. Yeah. But um, so it's, it's beautiful that you're that you're ma- mentioning this because hmm. what you're describing is that you're able to be vo- that you perhaps you you've shut it down to a degree, but you're also able to be vulnerable. But a, 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 a narcissist doesn't have the luxury to be able to be vulnerable yeah. because they are stuck. They are you know in a prison of this the shell, and they cannot be flawed. Uh, and that's why it's important if you want to check if you when you're dating someone or you looking for a partner, if they have the ability to take ownership, will they reflect? Will they be able to say, actually, what I did with that, my ex wasn't right to be able mm. to say that means that you're able to allow yourself to be flawed means that you have inner security to be able to take ownership. If you're okay, dealing with good. someone who you only hear them say in the end, actually, if you summarize it, you're like, actually, they were always the victim. Then you might yeah. have a problem and then you might be thinking, don't worry, I'll save you. I'll, I'll be there for you. I, I will take care of you. You won't be the victim again. Think again, because what they're actually uh, saying is that they don't have the ability to see that they have a part in the issues. And so you will be next. You will be next. They won't be able to see their part. So you will be there, the next victimizer in their, in their eyes. Yes. So, to that point, because I think that these are really great things to become aware of of self. And like you mentioned, there's almost like a self-security that's necessary for that vulnerability to be tapped into. Yes. Right? Um, now, I think the first question, which is probably a better question, which will lead to the second question. Mm-hmm. How does one develop that self-security mm-hmm. so that they can be vulnerable with themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a crucial question, uh, Kieran. Um the self-security, we will need to, this This will need to be done in a safe attachment in any case. If it's a group yeah. or it's the therapist, we need that safe attachment where the insecurity developed, developed in, a, in an attachment, then we will need an attachment to, to go there. We need to go to, it's a, probably it's a space, it's a dark space within us that we have, you know, pushed away. And as long as we're pushing it away, we will be living with uh, uh, the lack of security. It it is about becoming, being able to go to that dark place and shed light on it. When we shed light on something, it's not insecure anymore. It becomes more safe. The more we do that, the more we will be able to, um, to actually start accepting that part and, and, and healing that part. And, um, yeah, we need to, to go there with someone or, you know, an attachment to be able to deal with it. 
And then we won't need to be able to need to run away from it or go to abusive partners to feel safe. Mm. So as that insecurity develops, how does one identify if they've got like, I guess, more narcissistic behavior or more codependent behavior? How does one, one start to identify that? Sorry, what, what do you mean when the inner... So, so like, um, yeah. so once they've developed more security, self-security, yeah. how does one start to understand their nature more so? Like, how does one know, like, am I more narcissistic or am I more codependent? How does one know that? Um, so the... I'm trying to, to see with self-security. The more self-secure you, you become, the more self-acceptance there is, and then yes. the then the defenses will go down. So then you will become uh, less codependent, oh, less okay. dependent, less narcissistic. So when yes. we are don't have that self-security, we will need to control others. We will need others. The narcissist will need the other person for their ego supply to feel that they're yes. worthy. The codependent will need them for the psychological supplies. You decide for me what choices to make, that I'm worthy, that I'm this, that I'm that. So the more self-security we have, the more self-acceptance, the more we feel we have our back the less we will need yes. the other person and, and the narcissist will need less of, of uh, ego supply externally uh, as long as they can, you know, work on their inner security, the self-security. Yes, yes. Would you say that as one becomes more internally stable, um, of course, there's, um, of course, those attachment styles, right? Like anxious, um, then there's also avoidant, but then there's also, um, uh, what, what was that third one? Um, the, the two doctors came up with. Ang um, anxious, avoidant, secure. Secure, and, correct. And, and yeah, avoidant, you have the dismissive avoidant and the fearful avoidant, yeah? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So with that secure nature, would you say that as someone becomes more secure, would they start, I guess, being attracted to and attracting more secure individuals? Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you will, it's a different way of dating then. Then you yeah. will find other things attractive. So the, I would call it immature dating or the, you know, still a wounded dating would be, then you will try to find partners that are successful, that yes. are, um, make you feel very special. Um, and while with the secure dating, you will be looking for partners who make you feel um, uh, respected that will uh, really fit that that the their words ma match their actions yes so someone who makes you feel really special but somewhere ends up not not respecting you that's not that's not a good sign so yeah you will probably find other people attractive also what is important to mention i think this is not talked often uh, about often is that um when as a child you felt a lot a lot of rejection you might perceive your vulnerability as a weakness. It's not a conscious process. A lot of people would say, no, vulnerability is not a weakness. Of course not. But if you have experienced that, you will, it will feel that way. So a healthy partner is able to be vulnerable. A healthy partner is able to just not play games, but say, hey, I like you. I would like to, to, you to be with me. I would like to be together. But for someone who has experienced a lot of rejection as a child, that might feel as a turnoff because that will, that vulnerability will trigger their own rejection of being rejected. And they would perceive that as a weakness unconsciously. That's why narcissists are so attractive because they don't show any vulnerability. They wouldn't say, right. Hey, I, I like you in a vulnerable way. No way. Yes. So that feels, that's very safe to date a narcissist because they won't come close and actually see you. I see. 
So healing is being able to be vulnerable yourself and be able to find that attractive in another person too, because then you can have an actual emotional connection with someone. Mm, I really, really love that. I'd love to um, wrap up this particular episode, just touching on uh, practices, tools, um, techniques uh, that help build inner stability. Um, I know for myself, for example, um, just to use myself as an example, things that have really served me have been things such as cold immersion, where I practice being non-reactive to the cold. And, you know, that builds my capacity to manage stress or uh, might be meditation, for example, where I'll meditate on a challenging emotion and become familiar with it so that I'm no longer reacting to it or even a trauma that might come up so that I'm no longer in a, as anxious about that trauma and I'm more familiar with it. Um, so these are like techniques as an example that I've used that have been really of service to me um, to help build that stability. So I'm really curious to ask more of a personal question and to actually ask if you're open to it, to share a little bit about maybe things that you have done that have really served you, Stephanie, if that's okay. Yeah, um, let's see. What I've done is, is uh, in, in, uh, I've done therapy. I've quite done quite some therapy to be mm. able to to um, yeah get to know me. Yes, there's. I, I hear there's there's many practices, the things that you describe, and journaling, which helps a lot of yes. people. And I, I think it's great. I think there's so many methods, and um, for me, it's been it's it's been therapy basically, and yes. uh, just getting the self awareness. Um, being more vulnerable, um, yes, I think for, for me that has has worked. Yeah. Yes, yes, I, I think that's actually um, th th those are that's a brilliant point because um, I know especially in a place such as, for example, New Zealand, where I'm mm -hmm. from, uh, hence the accent. <laughs> um, I notice that particularly with guys. Uh, there is a high level of taboo around the idea of getting therapy, especially in Australia as well. This is a great example. I know New Zealand and Australia uh, somewhere in the sort of top five to 10 for mm -hmm. male suicides between the age of 17 and 24. Mm -hmm. It's because of the the rugby nature that we have. Like ah. everyone, like a lot of guys play rugby and people like men want to be strong. And masculine. how I was once yeah. upon a time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. So there's like the idea of like a man getting therapy, like, oh. you know, um, like, I'll, like, um, oh, come on, bro. Don't be soft. You know, that's sort of mm -hmm. like the, the yeah. idea or like, oh, I should be all right. Yeah, so, so that's actually their own fear of vulnerability talking, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. definitely see that. Yeah. I definitely see that in hindsight. Um, but um, what's beautiful in ha having these conversations and bringing them to light, um, you know, whether it be a male or female talking about it, is mm -hmm. just bringing a bit more normality to, to that step forward into something like therapy, which is yeah. so important. Um, and because it's something that I guess – is um, it's almost like encourage that, you know, we should just have it figured out. And I really don't think that that's the case at all um, for, um, I know for myself anyway, I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure for many people as well. Um, yeah. That's why I guess that a lot of people are so fascinated by your content um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're still figuring it out. So I think this Absolutely. is a great conversation to have around. And, and um, I think also that many people don't realize, realize that many people are working to achieve a lot of things not realizing that inside, you know, if you do inner world, there is so much, uh, there's a whole treasure inside of us. We're looking for success. We're looking for this. We're looking for that. People underestimate how much uh, inner peace and happiness we can find if we go inward. 
So yeah, it's it's. I think therapy is not a necessity, as in necessity from that perspective. I think it's a luxury. So it's, it's a luxury. Yes. Yeah, you yes. get a higher quality of life. It's up to you. Do you want to buy a car and another car, or do you want to, you know, yeah. feel better from the inside? Yeah, totally. I mean, that car mm. will get me to feel good maybe for a week, and then I get used to it, and then all my problems come back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Guilty. I've done that many times, <laughs> not with the car, but with other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, with that Me being too. said, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you know, this was a great episode. Really enjoyed this one. And we'll delve into the Q&A and we'll get raw yes. and we'll get real with you guys. I'm excited. Um, so we will end this here. And thanks for tuning in. Um, honestly, Dr. Stephanie is absolutely incredible. Uh, I would highly suggest following her on Instagram. She does amazing content. She's very consistent with it as well. It's just Psychologist Stephanie. You can find that information in the description of this episode. And you can also visit her website, psychologiststephanie.com. She's got um, some great information up there as well. Um, but also you can find ways that you can work with her there on a website which i highly suggest if you resonated with the things she shared so please make sure you share this episode if you got a lot out of it just as i did hence why i'm sharing it not just because i did it i'm a bit biased there i admit and be sure to subscribe because we have more from dr stephanie coming soon which i'm excited to share with you guys so with that being said ciao